When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 357, and today we are talking about books being released on April 12th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. And my cat is snoring behind me. (laughs) I almost started laughing in the middle of doing the introduction. Life. It happens. (laughs) (laughs) He was like... Aw, that's adorable. (laughs) It is adorable. They're so much more adorable when they're asleep. (laughs) When they're awake, they're very, very bad and extremely (laughs) expensive. (laughs) I can say the same for my niece. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're my children. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. You know. So what's going on? I am. Uh, I really loved the last time I obviously got to talk to you was when we did the show and we got to see each other like face to face. But I'm super thankful that we're mm-hmm. not doing that today because I am a hot, sweaty mess for my Pilates class. <laughs> but yeah. uh, otherwise, good. I had a fun little surprise when I walked in, which is that one of my podcasting like pieces of equipment was like randomly in the middle of my floor. And I didn't get how that could possibly happen because it lives under my bed. So I had a momentary freak out of like someone came into my apartment during that Uh one hour period that I was at Pilates and like rummaged. Um, No, it's good. I have a Roomba. (laughs) And it shoved my a lipstick that I've been missing for like four months. And then my podcast like foam board thing. And anyway, like three other things and like shoved them out from under my bed. So I was like, thank you. I've been looking for that. Oh, my goodness. Um, But anyway, it brought my podcast equipment out. So I was able to set up very quickly in addition. Yeah. It's just a funny well, moment of you know, me freaking out for no reason. A good reason. Yeah. yeah. I work in my office, which is like in the exact opposite corner of the door that we use most often in our house. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can only hear out of one ear. And sometimes it's very loud and I can't hear when Pete comes home. So, you know, he has to be very loud or else, you know, it'll scare the hell out of me. <laughs> and so I finally got one of those like. Uh, wireless doorbells so like Mm. when he opens the door like I can hear it in my office which Mm -hmm. is exciting I'm like okay he's home and it doesn't frighten me but I'm like someday you're gonna be here dead (laughs) asleep or you're gonna be taking a nap and that thing's gonna go off and I'm just gonna die like I just I will just pass (laughs) away just keel over yeah Yeah. (laughs) those alarms are funny that way (laughs) yeah because I know, and, and all my friends, you know, like, we have security alarms and they always, like, you know, when it goes off, like, the cat sets it off or whatever, like, yep. you're so scared, you know, and that's usually what the thing that happens, you know? Yep. But I went to Portland yesterday. I interviewed Holly Black, who is just yeah. amazing, uh, for the Nebra, Nebra? <laughs> for the Nebra <laughs> Spring Conference. It was the first time I had done an in-person event in, like, two and a half years. Uh, it was weird. It, I, it was the first time I wore, like, things that were not pajamas anywhere, <laughs> and... It was lots of fun, but she was talking about ghosts, and so I asked her if she believed in ghosts, and she told me the story about how her grandmother told her that when she was little, there was a little boy named Robbie that she played in the attic with, 
who was a ghost. And so whenever something would go missing at their house, Holly's mother would say, oh, Robbie has it. So like when you were like, oh, I, stuff got moved in my house. I was like, it's Robbie. Robbie did it. <laughs> Robbie made it all the way to the other Portland. And uh, was like, yep. I know this Chanel <laughs> lipstick from four years ago. That's what I need. I was like, oh, yeah. Not creepy at all. Nope. <laughs> it's that kind of energy today. It was tons of fun. Oh, I'm so glad. She also told us her favorite fairy tale, which is The White Cat, which I I know I read her book, The White Cat, a long time ago, but I didn't really remember the story, which is just this wild fairy tale about these three princes whose father sends them off on a mission, and every time they go out, um, one of them ends up staying with a cat wearing a dress in a cave for, like, the whole year, what? and then goes back, and, like, yeah, it's, it's wild, and, like, he gets a walnut, like, that's his prize, and, like, I don't know. I... It was awesome. Like, Holly Black told us a fairy tale, like, in person, and it was awesome. But I was like, I have to look more into this, because... <laughs> that sounded like fantasy ad, like Mad Libs. It's just like, cats, caves, yeah. a walnut. Yeah. Walnut <laughs> That's dress. Great. Yeah, it was wild. I love that for you. I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was fun to see book people in person again. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen that many... Like, in one place, you know, and Ooh, and it yeah. was, like, you know, masked and, you know, vaxxed and all, you know, it was great. And I just was so happy. But I was also like, I need to go home now. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I haven't been around people in so long. I just want to be home. <laughs> I know the feeling, but I'm glad you did it. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about books. And before we do that, as you know, if you've listened to the show before, we're going to hear from a sponsor. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, so I don't even know if I can talk about this book. I'm so excited. (laughs) I have been just singing its praises for months and months and months and months now. If you catch me at the right time, I will tell you this is my favorite book of 2022. It's like, this is my favorite. I don't even know. Yeah. So it's Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. And I just love this book. First of all, like, if you're a John Irving fan and you have been waiting for the new John Irving novel that they told us was coming in 2017 and still has not appeared, this will scratch that itch. And, weirdly enough, after I finished reading the book, I was like, this is like the John Irving novel I've always wanted. She talks about how John Irving is her favorite author. And so I was like, amazing. But, like, if you like Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, if you're a fan of Jamie Attenberg, like, this book is just fantastic and perfect for you. So it's about a young woman named Emma. Emma was born in a small town in New Hampshire, and when she was born, it was immediately discovered that she had the ability to heal people with the touch of her hands. Like, literally. But her parents were very worried about this. They didn't want her to become a sideshow act uh, or, you know, people to ask her to perform this trick all the time. And so they forbid her from using it. And so she grew up, like, not, not using it. But they did still think, like, oh, you, you you have this amazing healing power. You should be a doctor. And so her whole life they told her, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. Encourage her to go to school to be a doctor. And even though she was like, I don't really want to be a doctor, she just did what they told her. So sure enough, she goes off to school in California. She goes off to college to become a doctor. So at the start of the novel, 
Emma's pretty much getting ready to tell her parents, like, I'm going to drop out of school. I don't want to be a doctor anymore. And she gets this call from her mother that her father, Clive, is dying. He's dying from a brain disease, and the doctors don't know what it is. And he's been losing his memory. He hallucinates. He sees animals. Uh, He talks to the ghost of a New Hampshire naturalist who died a century earlier in their town, who is actually like an actual figure from history that she included in the book. And Emma is pretty sure that her mother has asked her to come home because she wants her to try and heal Clive with her hands. But it's been so long since she's done it, she's not even sure if it will still work. But she goes. And now, between trying to look after her father, who, you know, has great times and then, like, hard times where, you know, she has to watch him at all times, uh, and then Emma's brother, who is an opioid addict and he has is home from his most recent rehab stay... And she's, she's trying to help her mother, like, watch watch them and, and help out with the family. And this is just, oh my goodness, there are so many things going on in this book, but, like, in the most wonderful way, that is just, like, a tiny fraction of what you need to know about this book. Or you don't even need to know, like, that is something that, that is happening in this book. You could go into this book not knowing anything about it, and it'll, it'll come out, like, it's my favorite book. But there's also a storyline about Emma's missing childhood friend. Uh, she went missing while Emma was in California. Her father... Clive was very close to Emma's friend. Uh, The police have written her friend off because she was a drug addict. So they said, you know, oh, she probably just, you know, whatever. Like they always, you know, write them off. And so her father, Clive, has been putting up flyers all over town looking for looking for her. There is a private plot of land that is used for hunting by millionaires, which is an actual place in New Hampshire around where this is set. There is an expensive fox who shows up, who was ordered from the internet. There's a classroom of earnest middle grade students. There's an amateur theater production and so much more. Plus the narrators of this novel are my absolute favorite part of the book. And there's so many things that I love about this book, but they're not mentioned in the book's description. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but I will just say that, oh my goodness, all the heart emojis. This book is sweet and sad and so, so funny. I desperately want to see these characters on the screen in some capacity. I love them. Or even even a sequel. I would love a sequel. But, you know, I've read it four times already. I, I can't wait to read it again. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of chemical use and abuse, animal death, illness, death of a loved one, violence and bodily harm, mental illness, and infidelity. That is Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. You got me with the Kevin Wilson comp because nothing to oh, see yeah. here is my jam, and it's very strange to be like it's recommending so, a book about. So good. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I just added that one to my list. I want to add one thing about the animal death, and if you don't want any spoilers, then just cover your ears. But it's not. It's like they talk about like hunting and stuff in the book. It's not like something really major that you're going to be like bracing yourself for the whole time. So don't worry about that. You totally addressed what I was in my head thinking, like, oh, like, Liv must have loved this for her to recommend a book with animal death. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, okay, good to know. Well, my next pick is one that I also think is just, like, funny and sad and sweet and all the things, and it's The No Show by Beth O'Leary. Beth O'Leary has become a bit of an auto-read for me. She is the author of The Flat Chair, The Switch, and I think that was the last one, The Road Trip, which I believe, I've only read The Switch and The Road Trip, but I would, I would have, I call, I think there's, those are also considered romances, although maybe more like romantic fiction. And I'm trying to decide what I would call this one. Not that I'm like the decider of these things, but I, I, I'm maybe going to go with romantic fiction. And it's weird because I kind of don't want to tell you a lot about it. 
I almost recommend going in cold, but like if you've read the synopsis on the back, then like nothing I say is going to be, you know, any kind of a spoiler. But I don't know. It's just in order for like maximum surprise, like don't don't read too, too much about it. But I'm going to tell you because I have to, because that's what I'm here for. And so I'm going to give it my best effort. Um, So we get the book. It's told from the perspective of three women, Siobhan, Miranda, and Jane. Siobhan is like a quick-tempered life coach. She sort of fell into this gig, but she's made a really decent job of it. She, I believe, lives in Dublin, but she takes so she takes clients virtually and then occasionally travels for what I believe are like speaking engagements. So she does fly to London like relatively often. We have Miranda, who is a tree surgeon. So she literally is those, one of those people that like climbs trees and then hangs suspended in midair as she, you know, cultivates and manages and trims back these trees. So it's actually a very, very dangerous job. But she loves it, like fell in love with this idea of like being high up in a tree when she was, you know, very young and just she's made a job out of it. But she works with mostly men and has always sort of tried to be one of the guys as a result. And then we have Jane. She's a woman who volunteers at a local charity shop in Winchester. She's very soft-spoken, kind of has low self-esteem. You can tell she's really trying her hardest to sort of blend into the background and not make any kind of a scene to remain very like unperceived. She keeps the details of her life really tight to her chest. We do know that she left London and her job there and that she did so under like less than good circumstances. And so she very purposely now lives, again, this like simple life that adheres to this very strict routine because for her, like basics equals simplicity equals comfort. And all three women appear to be involved with the same man. And that man has ditched all three of them on Valentine's Day. So you're getting each of their perspectives. Again, they alternate. So you're getting and you're seeing how each of them interacts with this guy. And you're not entirely sure how this is going to go, how any of like, in particular, this guy is going to be validated in any way, but you have to just trust the process and like keep going. Because it was not at all what I sort of assumed was going to happen. And that's kind of, again, all I want to say there. I really love Beth O'Leary. I mean, you know, I love me a book set somewhere in England. Um, But what I love about her is that she reminds me in a very, you know, different way, not foodie at all, but she reminds me a little bit of Sonali Dev and that I love the character building in her, you know, romances, except that she, not except, but she also includes like really heavy topics in there sometimes. Uh, So this is where I'll insert, there's a trigger warning for loss of a loved one and dealing with a parent with dementia. But she weaves again, there's these like really big, heavy topics. So one minute you're laughing. She's a really great sense of humor. Her her dialogue is great. (laughs) Like you're just super laughing at the interaction between the side characters, the main characters, you know, the love interests. And then the next minute, she's unpacking these like, you know, bigger, heavier topics. And so you feel like the tug at your heartstrings. It's, and she does that for me in every single one of her books. The audio narration in all of the books that I've, I've read has been great. This one, oh, I did not write down all of them. But one of them is Ivana Lynch, who played Luna Lovegood in the movies we don't talk about no more. But she does such an excellent job of Siobhan's character. I just loved this book. I inhaled it. It's one of those like one day listens and I'm a huge fan. And I will continue to look for stuff that Beth O'Leary puts out. So again, that's The No Show by Beth O'Leary. All right. So my next pick is what I think is going to be one of the big book club books of 2022. There is so much to discuss. It is The Caretakers by Amanda Bester Siegel. And before I start talking about this book, I do want to give... A heads up that child death plays a part in the plot, and so it is going to be mentioned in this description. If you like Big Little Lies, if you like 
really brilliantly plotted novels that are not quite thrillers and not quite crime novels, but, you know, crime happens, but they're like more like family dramas. This is the perfect book for you. It is an amazing novel about au pairs in Paris. At the beginning of this book, like I said, in the first chapter, we find out that a child has died and his au pair has been arrested. But did she really? Do, we don't know how, how it happened. You know, we just know that he's gone. But did she do it? You know, what really happened? The story then goes back in time and there are several different characters that we meet over the course of a few months, uh, six different women, and we hear it from we hear about that time from their perspectives. Um, it talks about how they got there, what they're doing in France. Um, some of them are citizens, some of them are visiting from other countries. Uh, we hear about their pasts, and we get to hear the story of what happened from several perspectives. It's really this very intricately woven story. First of all, I have to say. I got a galley, and I saw that Elizabeth McCracken, like, my favorite author, gave it a blurb on the cover. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read that next. That is what got me to pick this book up, and she was not wrong. It's just amazing. It's a story of people working for their dreams and their happiness and, and, and when their dreams don't work out and things are falling apart and, you know, running from your past and trying to find your way or, you know, what you're what are you going to do if you're stuck, you know, in your life right now? There are three au pairs that we hear from. And then the mother of the child who died, his older sister, and the woman who teaches French to the au pairs. It's, it's so... So good. These characters are all fully realized. They're complicated. They make bad decisions. They make good decisions. Some of them are better people than others. And it just felt so real. And it's her debut novel, but it felt expertly executed. I mean, it was just incredible. And I read it all in one sitting. And I know I read a lot of books in one sitting, but like, when I say that, you know what I mean. Like, I read it in one sitting. It's just, just fantastic. I do want to give content warnings for chemical use and abuse, illness, loss of a loved one, infidelity, partner abuse, terrorist violence, vehicular accidents and injuries, suicidal thoughts, child endangerment, and death. I'm telling you, this is a great, great book for your book club because there's a lot to unpack and a lot to talk about and people are going to have thoughts. It is The Caretakers by Amanda Bester Siegel. I have a friend who is obsessed with that book and said the same thing, like, do it for book club because people will have thoughts. (laughs) So, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's just so many different points of view. And people, like, will be like, well, you know, people make bad decisions. And then people will be like, that person is a horrible person because they made that decision. (laughs) You know, like, it's a lot. It's great. That is the recipe for book club picks. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good call. Okay, my next pick is The Devil's Half Acre by Kristen Green. And this one does refer to someone who was formerly enslaved. So uh, trigger warnings for everything that comes with that. I'm not gonna be diving too much into it in my description, but it is part of some of what I'm going to say and obviously is woven into the plot of the book. Um, because this is a work of nonfiction, it's the true and little known or at least lesser known story of an enslaved woman named Mary Lumpkin. And she was a true trailblazer who helped thousands of people find liberation through kind of a a different uh, sort of, not backwards, but not a traditional, (laughs) is there a traditional way to help people find liberation? Different than what you might expect, which is what I'm getting to. So again, right away, just going to say that this, you know, book deals with all the trigger warnings that come with enslavement and the evils therein. She was enslaved by a brutal and cruel man named Robert Lumpkin. 
He was the largest trader of enslaved peoples in Richmond at the time. He forced her to have his five children and live on the premises of a jail for enslaved people in, again, Richmond, Virginia, one that was known back then and still is, I suppose, as the Devil's Half Acre, hence the title of the book. Um, It's also referred to as Lumpkin's Jail. It was a terrible place for all the reasons that you can expect from, you know, this awful period in history. It was one of several different buildings in, I can't remember if they called it Lumpkin's Alley, if it was the Devil's Alley, but it's whole, I mean, again, it's just several different buildings for several different reasons, none of them any less cruel than the next. So it was just terrible and, you know, had this awful reputation. And I mean, in a time where like, <laughs> enslavement in general is obviously a cruel and terrible practice. And for this man to have a reputation for being particularly cruel, probably tells you, you know, everything you need to know about what kind of man this guy was. He did, however, see to it that his children had good educations. I think he even sent the daughters, uh, he had five children again in total with Mary Lumpkin, and he sent like the daughters to finishing school as though, you know, that changes the fact that he was a horrible, horrible human, (laughs) capable of the worst kind of cruelty. It's just sort of indicative of the backwards thinking, you know, of the time. But Lumpkin died in late 1866, so like right after the end of the Civil War and before the war ended, he'd actually sent Mary and the children off to another state. I'm blanking on which one. I think maybe Pennsylvania, so that they couldn't basically be sold back into the practice of slavery in order to pay off like his debts someday. So it was like sort of a selfish like reason for doing it. But when he died in 1866, he had left all of his property and land to Mary. And by then, she was legally allowed to inherit it. So through the sale of that property and just being very involved with all the processes, she helped transform the Devil's Half Acre into something that was then called God's Half Acre. It first was, I believe, a seminary for, I think, exclusively for Black men. And then it went through a few iterations over the last next you know few years, but it eventually uh, became what is still today Virginia Union University, which is one of America's first HBCUs, um, historically Black colleges and universities. So it's a story of, you know, resilience of <laughs> I mean, resilience is really like the best word I suppose for this but I, it still sort of amazes me in a not always great way but that there are still so many untold stories about people of color and not even just from this particular like era in history but from so many others that you just don't get to hear about these unsung heroes because their stories have been erased which is something I cannot help but think a lot about <laughs> in our current state of like not wanting to properly educate children on the history of this nation so this is a great book, I think, to add to that, uh, wanting to gain a better understanding of the ways that Black people, Black women, formerly enslaved folks, um, just really did some amazing things in, in the face of you know, all this horrible cruelty. And you'll get, you know, a cool history on this really, this you know, this for one of the first HBCUs, which is really great, too. Um, so that, again, is The Devil's Half Acre by Kristen Green. And it was told in a fictionalized version um, last year, I think. Oh yeah, um, uh, the the Yellow Wife by Sadika yes, Johnson, exactly. which is an excellent novel, which we talked about on the show. But I came out in December, I think. I cannot remember like what show right. exactly we talked about it on. Might have even talked about it before that, but I totally forgot about that book. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like I think it came out in December, so things get have. lost in the shuffle in December. But it is excellent, just excellent. So those are the books that we have read and talked about. Um, And now we're going to talk about a few books that we're excited to get our hands on. I'm going to start with Activities of Daily Living by Lisa Xiao Chen. This is a debut about a woman named Alice who is a Taiwanese immigrant in her late 30s. 
Aside from her day job, she is working to create something about a downtown performance artist in her town who mysteriously disappeared from the art world. And she's taken on this project that she's working on. And she's also trying to take care of her aging father, who is a Vietnam vet who is struggling with alcoholism. The book takes place between present day and 1980s New York City. It has starred reviews from Publishers Weekly and Kirkus. It sounds so good. Uh, A little bit of the publisher's description says it's a searching, sharply observed debut novel on the interconnection between work and life, loneliness and kinship, and the projects that occupy our time. I also really like the cover, although I think it's supposed to be some kind of art, but all I see is an Eggo waffle, which I'm also completely on board with. (laughs) Like, just seems great. But every time I look at it, I'm like, it's the waffle book, and it's, I'm sure that's not what it is, but... Also awesome. So this one is Activities of Daily Living by Lisa Xiao Chen. So speaking of cover design stuff, I my brain always does this with cover designs. It's just a thing. Like I always see things oddly and then have to eventually come back around. And so there's this book, uh, Winter Counts by David Heska Wompley Whiten, I believe, that I was convinced this entire time had a giant rat on the cover. And I was like, oh, it's a rat. Like, okay. And there was nothing wrong with that. I just was like, it's the book with the rat. And I would see it all the time. And then I said that in a Slack channel once, like with staff. And someone was like, that is extremely, I might have even been Hannah, who's like from Utah. I was like, that is a bison. That's a buffalo. Like, that is not a rat. Like, oh, oh, okay. Like, I never see covers correctly. It's just like a weird thing I have. So sometimes we see waffles, sometimes we see rats. But anyway, I'm going to tell you about a book that I'm excited about now and less about rats, which I just requested the galley for this one. It's High Spirits by Camille Gomera Tavares. It is a collection of 11 interconnected short stories, which I have, it's like a constant goal for me to want to read more short stories to just keep them by my bed and be able to kind of go in and, and dive in. For the longest time, my brain did not like short stories, much like I, I try to do to short stories what I try to do to poetry, which is to read them in a very specific way where I'm like trying to meld them into a shape that they don't need to be in. And one of the ways I've delved back into the short story water has been to read interconnected short stories, because for whatever reason, that works for me. And I, it, it's, I love it. I love being able to see those little kind of gossamer threads connecting different narratives. So that's what this one is. And it's specifically a collection of stories from the Dominican diaspora from a debut author as well. It's centered on one extended family, the Belens, and it's inter- uh, multi-generational. It's set in the fictional small town, small town, pardon me, of Idalpa, and also lots of other places like uh, Santo Domingo and Patterson and San Juan and Washington Heights in New York. So it's like kind of you know, all over the place. And it's, I loved the, <laughs> so it, ex- it explores topics that I love to read about. So like machismo, mental health, family identity. But the one of the promotional images for this book is what got me, which is just a cover of the book, which in and of itself is beautiful. It's really floral and lush. But someone took that book and then just kind of like in handwriting, pointing to the book, put a bunch of different like, hey, reasons why you should read this book. And those were like time travel, coming of age. Afro-Dominican AF, intergenerational, brujeria, which is the you know Spanish word for witchcraft. This just sounds like exactly, again, the kind of book that I want to have by my bed to look for those threads that connect these stories and to spend an extended amount of time with a specific family, but in these, you know, individual stories that each have their own kind of plot development. So I'm really excited for this one. That again is High Spirits by Camille Gomera Tavares. All right. Before I tell you about my next pick that I'm excited about, we are going to hear from our next sponsor. So, my other pick today is One Shot Harry 
by Gary Phillips. This sounds very Walter Mosley, Easy Rollins, which is very exciting. Also, I've been watching Jeopardy every night for like the last six months, which is not something that I used to do. And I think that Walter Mosley has been a question like four times now. Yeah. And no one ever gets it. And I'm like, how do people not know Walter Mosley? <laughs> He's the best. And also they're making a, a series now series, out yeah. of the Easy Rollins books, which was a movie like forever ago with Denzel. But anyway, moving on from Walter Mosley, that is the reason I want to read this book because it sounds very similar to him and I love him. Uh, it is about, I should say, civil rights and racism in Los Angeles in the 1960s are the backdrop for this story about an African-American Korean War veteran named Harry Ingram. He earns a living as a news photographer, and one day he hears on his police scanner that there has been a deadly automobile accident, and when he gets there, he recognizes that this is the vehicle of a friend of his, an old army buddy, a white jazz trumpeter. And the LAPD says this was an accident, they ruled it an accident, but when Harry develops his photos, he sees signs of foul play. He decides to crack the case himself. So, sounds very exciting. This one has starred reviews from Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, and Booklist, and has one of those excellent pulp novel covers that have been popping up a lot lately, like Joyland and Five Decembers, and just like those throwbacks to the the old like dime novels. So great, and it is called One Shot Harry. All right. So my next one is one that I actually want to take a second to say that this, again, really is what I'm so excited about with this new format with the show. Just something that, well, we a couple of us touched on, I think Patricia in particular, that sometimes you look at a book and you're like, that is going to be wonderful, but it is probably not specifically for me for whatever those specific reasons are, but that you just know that someone, in fact, many someone's out there are probably going to love it. I love that we get the opportunity to talk a little bit more about these types of books, especially when the premises are really exciting. Um, this is one that a lot of I've heard a lot of decent buzz about, and I want to read it very much. It's just for reasons that relate to trigger warnings may not be in my wheelhouse. And that is A Tiny Upward Shove by Melissa Chadburn. So this one has trigger warnings for drug use, addiction, murder, so like violence in general, but also specifically sexual violence. And all by all accounts, it's a pretty brutal read, but an excellent one. So for those reasons, it's ones that like, uh, I might not be able to dive into, but let me tell you a little bit about it. The like opening line in the copy is Marina Salas's life does not end the day she wakes up dead. So this is inspired by the author's Filipino heritage and its folklore, and it traces the life of the too short life of a woman who was sort of cast off by society. She that so the part of the premise is actually pulled from a real case that of a Vancouver pig farmer named something Picton Willie Picton who confessed to having killed something like. 49, 50 women, many of them indigenous and or sex workers over the course of, I think, two decades before he was finally arrested in 2002. And so the novel's main character, you know, fictional main character is an 18-year-old named Marina, and she was Picton's last victim. She, again, has always been on the margins. Her life started off well enough. Looks like she was living in her grandmother's cozy home in Central California in her childhood in the 80s. But then her mom moved her and her daughter, moved herself and her daughter, Marina, to LA to follow a boyfriend. It doesn't go well. Their situation devolves really quickly and darkly. Marina ends up in foster care, and that foster care situation is even a, a bigger nightmare than the one she already found herself in before. But then the twist is that when she wakes up, dead. <laughs> She's transformed into an aswang, which is a supernatural creature pulled from Filipino folklore, uh, Filipine folklore, of mystery and vengeance, 
so it, it enacts essentially vengeance on the people that it chooses to avenge against. So she spends nine days as this Aswang, as this creature, considering whether or not to exact vengeance on her killer, but traces his story and then her own sort of back to the beginning to see how it is that these two collided in, you know, what she calls like an inevitable conclusion. So it sounds due to some parts that I'm leaving out in there that might be spoilery, like, again, a brutal read, but by all accounts has just like this beautiful structure and language. It's like really, really heart wrenching. And again, a debut novelist telling a really beautiful story that's inspired by Filipino folklore. So it's one that I think a lot of people will love and that will be moved by. So that is A Tiny Upward Shove by Melissa Chadburn. All right. So before I tell you about a few paperbacks that are out today, do my little lightning round paperback thingy. I do want to mention that the book that Danica talked about on the March 1st show, Chef's Kiss, which is by Jarrett Melendez, the graphic novel about the gentleman who starts working at a restaurant and the restaurant has a pig as a food critic and you have to like make the pig happy in order <laughs> to be able to work there. It, it, it's adorable. It's like the cutest thing I read after that. Um, the date got pushed like after we recorded the show. Mm. So that is available now. It is out today as well, so I just wanted to remind you, because I know everybody was like, oh my goodness, a pig who likes to eat food and, like, gives <laughs> thumbs up and or hooves up or something, up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I read it, like, right after we did the show, and it was so cute. Uh, so that is out today. So I want to tell you about a few paperback releases today. Uh, a couple of these are paperback originals, starting with Violet by Kyung Suk Shin and translated by Anton Hur. Uh, Kyung Suk Shin is the author of Please Look After Mom, which was a Man Asian Literary Prize winner, and that is a paperback original. The Romantic Agenda by Claire Khan is a paperback original. It's an asexual own voices rom-com, and this is Khan's adult debut, Oh, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, and Then I Woke Up by Malcolm Devlin, which is a paperback original coming from Tor Nightfire. It involves plagues and monsters. I feel like the cover could be a Francis Bacon painting, <laughs> and it has high praise from Stephen Graham Jones, which is exciting. Ooh. Also out in paperback today, While Justice Sleeps, which was the first mystery thriller from Stacey Abrams. If you don't know Stacey Abrams, she's a tax attorney. She served 11 years in the Georgia House of Representatives. She served seven as minority leader. She was the 2018 Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia, and also writes romance novels under the name of Selena Montgomery, which are now being reissued. There's also Murder in Old Bombay by Nev March, which was nominated for an Edgar Award for Best First Novel. Nev March is the first Indian-born writer to win Minotaur Books Mystery Writers of America Award for a first crime novel. And also out. I keep saying out like I'm not already telling you about books that are out today. I don't know why. <laughs> it breaks up in between. Uh, Broken Horses, a memoir, which is by Brandy Carlisle, who just gave an amazing performance at the Grammys. I actually saw her on her first tour. She opened for Ray LaMontagne. And so I got to see her before Ooh, anyone what a show. knew who she was, which was very exciting. Also out in the biography area is Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA Champion by Marion Fader, which is about Giannis Atanakumpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. And it has a new epilogue because the Bucks Aww. won the NBA Championship uh, shortly before the book came out, so apparently they did not have time to put that in there. And he's just amazing. He, you know, he's so what, amazing. He's like, he's family. just incredible. Yeah. And also, we begin at the end by Chris Whitaker, which is a crime slash family drama. Was a runaway hit last year. It was winner of the Gold Dagger for best crime novel from the Crime Writers Association 
in the UK, winner for Best International Crime Fiction from Australian Crime Writers Association, just all kinds of awards. That also out in paperback now. So those are some paperback picks. I love this. Me too. Because I was like, oh, these are all going to be books that we talked about and I'll be, but like, this is a whole new group that we didn't get to on the show when they were out in hardcover. So now we get to tell you about them and you'd say, yay, if you've been waiting or, you know, not me. I'm so impatient. I can never wait for paperbacks. (laughs) It's a problem. (laughs) Again, now this is truly all the books. (laughs) (laughs) I do love talking about them. So... Now that we have talked about books that we've read, books that we're excited about, what are you going to read next? I can't remember if I said this before, and it was not a lie at the time, like I was going to read it then, and then for life reasons did not get to, but I'm finally now doing it um, as a giant car drives by very loudly. Are you being carried away by a spaceship? um, Yeah, that was what I was going to announce. I'm leaving this earth. (laughs) Um, And with me, I am taking... The Rib King, or Rib, yeah, The Rib King, Rib King by uh, Lady Hubbard. The Rib King. Yes, uh, this is a Liberty favorite, and she's talked about it enough times. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, it it's is my, my favorite book of last year. And, and yes. she just won a Guggenheim Fellowship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I cannot, like, again, I'm only like, I don't know, seven pages in, but I can already, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. So I am super, super into that. And after delaying this library hold like seven weeks in a row, finally getting my uh, ears, because it's an audiobook, <laughs> on The Affair of the Mysterious Letter by another one of my auto reads at this point, um, Romance, <laughs> I was going to call him Romance Hall, Alexis Hall, uh, who is a little bit doing genre roulette too, like writes a lot of really fantastic romance, but also mysteries. Um, so I'm really excited to get into this one. And that's me. Awesome. So I just got my hands on Anywhere You Run by Wanda M. Morris, who wrote All Her Little Secrets last year. Uh, this one comes out in October. And I'm also doing a Gideon the Ninth slash Harrow the Ninth reread because there are rumors floating around that galleys of Nona the Ninth might be available mm-hmm. in the next few weeks. And so I want to be ready for that. Um, and I just want to mention, several people have asked me this, so I want to just kind of clarify it here. Gideon the Ninth was originally supposed to be a trilogy. The third book in the trilogy was supposed to be Electo the Ninth. And then last fall, Tamsin Muir announced that there was actually going to be four books in the series and that Nona oh. the Ninth is coming out before Electo the Ninth. So as far as I know, it will still be called Electo the Ninth, but that is not coming until next year. Uh, Nona is out in September. My most anticipated book of the year. I cannot wait. So I'm going to do a little reread. I literally ran out and bought those books or like the first one, like the day it came out because you talked about it and having read it, like, I don't know, 12 times before the release date or something like that. I still haven't read it. Like it's, it's right here on my bookshelf. I went out like at seven o'clock on a Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. Tuesday to buy the book. And yet I still haven't read it. Like I had all the urgency and then just put it on the bookshelf. Well, so it maybe happens. It's, maybe it's time. I will say <laughs> like, that. I think now at this point, more people have told me they read this book than any other book that I've talked about because it's just that. so much fun and it's wild. And so many people have been like, I picked this up because of you. And that just Aww. warms my dead little heart because <laughs> it's so good. So that is it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who will have to fix all the mistakes that you did not hear. Uh, you can drop <laughs> us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us online. We mostly hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is buenos dias SD. 
I am Franz and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And then they can read Giddy in the Ninth. And it's just this whole <laughs> amazing, lovely circle. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books where you will find all the titles that we talked about, including all the paperback ones. So if you were like trying to write as fast as you could, but didn't get them all, they're <laughs> gonna be there. And you can also find a link to our weekly new books newsletter, where I talk about even more books. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.